What's up, everybody? It's Adam. Thank you for tuning in to today's Hobby News Daily Morning Minute. Today is Monday, August 21st. I, again, I, I think I say this on every episode. I can't believe how quickly the the summer is flying by. Now, we had... Uh, let me... Actually, sorry. I had the tweet up two seconds ago. Here it is. The So, the seventh most expensive sports card ever sold... Over these past couple, over the past couple days, I guess this weekend, uh, there was a Mickey Mantle uh, SGC nine. Which, I mean, look if we're if we're comparing the grading of cards, I think an SGC nine is pretty close to. Uh, I mean, I would say like I would say the SGC nine is probably pretty close to like a BGS nine. Um, the SGC nine is probably it's probably like it's probably like higher than a S uh, than a um, excuse me a a PSA nine. But either way, so four point five million dollars. This SGC nine Mickey Mantle twenty or excuse me nineteen fifty two tops sold. Now that's obviously I think one of the most iconic cards in the hobby. And just looking at the card in general, like if this was an SGC nine, like if this was a little bit more centered, this. I think easily could have been a much higher grade. I don't know if if you I, these types of cards. I do wonder if you send them to PSA uh, after they've after they've received an SGC nine. Like you know, if you have this type of card, like what are the chances that you send it to PSA? And I don't love. I actually think that regrading cards is like I don't know. It's a little taboo in my opinion. Like I almost wish that there was a way to. I almost wish that some grading companies would take a little bit more of precautions to make sure that cards aren't graded. Now, granted, I don't know. I don't think, you know, you, you may look at it and say, well, that's not their necessarily responsibility. Like, they don't need to, like, that's not their responsibility to make sure cards aren't graded multiple times. Because, you know, if you want to grade a card from PSA, like, for example, this card, if PSA, for example, if they wanted to grade this card multiple times, they would probably make thousands and thousands of dollars because of the value of the card. That would be one reason why I would say PSA prob probably doesn't want to look at it and say, no, we don't want this graded by anybody else. We don't want this regraded because, like I said, if PSA is grading the card, they're going to be charging for the upcharge. They're going to be getting you know grading fees, all these types of things. But I think when it comes to cards that are graded, it feels like, there should almost be a system that can establish what the card's grade really is. Because if you look at BGS, PSA, SGC, I think C CGS, I think is in that maybe conversation as well. Their grades are going to be all different. Um, now, like I said, SGC 9, if it was graded by PSA, it could be a 7 or 8, I guess, if you're if you're looking at it. Now, this doesn't really compare to the SGC 9.5 that I think over, I think it was like a couple years ago, sold for, I think it was $12 million. This one sold for 4.5, which it's that's the most expensive card that I believe is sold in 2023. Uh, and like I said, I think it's the seventh most expensive card that's sold overall from this 1952 uh, Mantle. Actually, I guess maybe cards just in general, not just from the 52 Mantle card. But I do wonder if there are any cards from this era that could in the future be 
in this same ballpark. Like, this 1952 card is such, like, an iconic card within the hobby. Like, I almost feel like it's 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 got multiple different reasons why it's such an iconic card. And, like I said, I do, it makes me wonder, like, is there any cards in the hobby? Like, I think if you look at how many of those cards there are, that's almost where I would look at if you, like, granted, I've always, I think I've kind of been saying this over the past couple episodes, like, modern stuff is really not the way you want to be looking at if you're trying to, like, I don't know, invest, like like I said, I, I, I use the word invest, I'm making air quotations when I'm making invest, because it's like, it's not, I don't know, it's not, at this point, we've seen the market be too volatile, in my opinion, to really suggest anybody getting into and investing in sports cards in the in this era right now i think if you were getting into cards in 2018 2017 2019 i know i just had some dates that were out of order there but in those years you could have invested and you could have bought cards and then it it, but like i said like i've always said investments that means you're going to be selling so, you know, you could have been buying from that time period, and if you had sold in 2020, 2021, you probably made a decent amount. If you were buying in 2020, 2021, and you were selling now, probably not so much. But like I said, I think if if you're looking at these cards from this modern era, I would, I mean, I guess I would look at, like, all of the cards that are, all of these, like, 52 mantles that are graded, and I would come up with, like, what is that number of total graded cards? And I would maybe even look into modern cards that have sort of parallels that uh, mimic the amount of cards that there are that are graded. Because at this point, I've always asked, I, in, in my opinion, I've always, I, I think I've asked this question a, a little bit about uh, how many, like, how many of the Michael Jordan uh, Fleer rookie cards are graded. How many of these 52 mantles are graded? Like, what's the percentage of these cards that were produced and that are still raw versus how many have been graded? I think that's that's something that I really... I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to, but it's really something that I've been interested in uh, from kind of, you know, and, and honestly from an analytical standpoint. That's something... that Those types of numbers are something that I'm also always very interested in. Um... We have very cool this 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 52 mantle uh, SGC nine sold for 4.5 million dollars. It's a you know it's a cool card, definitely a cool card. Um, but that's all I've got for today's episode. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Make sure you go hit us up on socials at Hobby News Daily on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also, make sure to check back to HobbyNewsDaily.com because our staff writers have been writing new articles every single day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hobby News Daily Morning Minute. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. My name is Adam. Thank you for tuning in. And I I really, uh, Fanatics is, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably have seen the news. Like, this is, you know, uh, this podcast is coming out, and I'm glad I got a little bit of time to kind of, I guess, think of what I was even going to say here, because I still think there are some things within this news and if you aren't aware uh there was a tweet that came out from some nfl people today uh basically saying that the nfl pa has terminated its trading card agreement with panini effective immediately uh my sports update i think uh looks like airy um uh, i think he must be a uh nfl writer but uh, fanatics holds the exclusive rights to produce NFL PA branded trading cards. 
the email was sent out this morning. Now, I was reading the article from Beckett, and it also noted that Panini has a separate deal with both the NFLPA and the league itself. So, uh, as of this moment, Fanatics has the exclusive for the players, and Panini holds the exclusives for the NFL uh, covering team logos and uniforms. So, you know, does this mean that... <laughs> We're not going to see any more products. I mean, when it says effective immediately, it really is – it's very obviously direct, but it's also a little bit vague in my opinion because the effective immediately terminology, like does that mean that Fanatics – or does that mean Panini can't sell any of the products that they've already produced like – you know, or, or are like – are all the products that are being able to be produced uh, – like are those – now not going to be able to be sold by Panini? Like, does, does that mean that there's going to be no more Prism football this year? Like, I feel like, I you know, I, I just don't know. And I think this is kind of where a lot of the things that Fanatics have done have been a very much like, this is some big news, but we actually have to wait and see exactly what it even means in the first place. Uh, you know, and, and I think this is just another step in Fanatics really kind of showing showing companies that they can kind of just do whatever they want because of relationships, if I'm going to be completely honest. And I think that is one thing that really is, I think, a, dis a deciding factor for some of these leagues because of, you know, uh, Michael Rubin and C the Fanatics and the relationships that have been built between Fanatics and the leagues. It really shows that they're willing to look at these contracts and say, like, are we, can we get out of these contracts? Like, and it really almost it almost speaks to like the lawyers that Panini must have because like whoever wrote up this contract with with some clause that said that they could terminate the deal if they wanted to like I don't know exactly what that even means like I don't know if this means for whatever reason like Panini is going to be sold to Fanatics or like what's going to happen to this year's products I guess is my main question because we have started to see some of the designs for products I think Origins was one of the products that had started to come out um with with some of the designs but I mean I guess that does make sense why we haven't seen this year's prism design yet uh usually i mean at this point usually we would see some imagery i would think or at least i would hope of some nfl players coming out with with uh with this year's design because usually and i'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head the cycle of when they start releasing some of the designs for the new year at least i think that like because even like with don russ and stuff i don't even think that we've seen because i think baseball usually is the Actually, now that, I've, now that I'm saying it out loud, I, I do forget which order usually the designs have come in. But usually, like, you know, and, and, and as, as something that I follow pretty closely, like, the designs at this point have usually come out. So, like, it is really interesting that Fanatics has come over the top once again and said, we're coming in, we're doing this, we're taking the NFL. Now, if you, you have kind of if you know about trading cards you know that it takes it's not just something that you can just produce and put together in like 20 in like two seconds and like players have signed cards for panini so there's no way that like i think that there's no way that those cards don't eventually come out like it, 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 like effective immediately this is kind of the terminology that i really have the most questions of like like i said there's no i just don't think that there's any way that there's because the players have already been paid for most of the autographs if I'm if I had to guess but at the same time it's like there's no way that they would be able to just not come out with, with the product of these players that have signed uh 
Now, the, the other news that I'm actually going to talk about in tomorrow's episode is there was a, a LeBron um, – there was some LeBron news that came out that I'm actually sort of teasing tomorrow's episode that I'm going to get into a little bit. But, like, for this year's rookie class, are we not going to have football cards? Like, is this going to be – because there was, like, a year – for basketball where it was kind of like this. I think it was Kyrie's rookie year where there was like one, I think there was like only one or two products that came out in which Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, I think um, Paul George, for example, I think from that rookie class, there really just wasn't a lot of rookie. There were, there weren't any really products. There was like one or two products that came out. So like, I just don't see, I don't think that there's a possibility that these cards aren't going to come out. But at the same time, like I said, I haven't seen any designs for prison football. So does that mean that this was the end? Does that mean last year was the last ever prison football? And, you know, what does that mean for last year's prison? What does that mean for boxes of last year's prison football? Does that mean that, you know, with it being the last prism, like, is that going to, uh, is that going to help? the overall value of the product like is that going to drive sales of it i mean potentially at the same time i still think that there's just so much of that product that it almost makes sense that maybe fanatics or excuse me that maybe panini saw something like this coming based on how much product they've come out with over the past few years they maybe had some sort of lawyer they had someone look at the contract and it said yeah they can pretty much terminate this whenever they want if fanatics wants to come in and pay more money and that's why they were like, yeah, we're just going to start coming out with as much product as we can so that way we can still <laughs> make the amount of money because at any point, you know, the the, the, the faucet can just be shut off. Um, and I don't think – I mean it's going to probably be a, like a week or two, maybe – I mean maybe this week. I mean it is only Tuesday, so you know maybe later on this week we'll get a statement from Fanatics about what's going to happen with the rest of this year's – with the rest of this year's football cards i guess we'll we'll see what happens there and like i said this is a move that's definitely been like it's big news but it's also like a wait and see we gotta we don't exactly know what this news means uh so you know keep keep coming back here if there's anything else that breaks throughout the week you'll definitely be hearing me talk about on this podcast uh make sure to check out the check us out on Hobby News Daily at Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to check back to hobbynewsdaily.com because our staff of writers have been writing new articles every single day. What's up, everybody? It's Adam. Welcome back to the Hobby News Daily Morning Minute. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd, and I mentioned this briefly on yesterday's episode that I was going to talk about it. Uh, some people, I guess, on on Twitter. I mean, I saw this because of the card that came out. I didn't necessarily, I didn't notice this myself, and I guess this happened a couple months ago. Uh, apparently, LeBron James had been taken off of the exclusive player list that Upper Deck has on their website. And then, the other day, uh, LeBron James and Mookie Betts had a Tops Now card that recently came out. It was a dual Tops Now card. Um, I guess I... I don't. I, I'm not 100 sure if there were autographs that were associated with that card, but I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, I thought that this was something that Tops was going to be trying to do, was going to try and do, because a lot of what or Fanatics, I guess, not Tops, but like this is what I thought Fanatics was going to do for a couple different reasons. Because one was they signed Bronny James to an exclusive, like probably back in like. Um, Probably early, earlier this year. I forget the exact date. But then they also brought over somebody from Rich Paul's agency 
to be their top player executive kind of relations person. And if you don't know, Rich Paul is LeBron's agency. Rich Paul and I think LeBron James grew up together. And uh, that is also, I mean, it, honestly, it's, it's, it's LeBron and Rich Paul's agency. Sure, I think probably LeBron can't technically have his name on the company, if I had to guess, just because it's a player um a player agency, if I, you know, but it's it's basically, you know, LeBron James is kind of probably vetting a lot of the players coming in, and like I said, I think if if you're looking at what Fanatics has done over the course of kind of what they've tried to do when it comes to business, you know, business um, within sports cards, like one of the things was instead of coming in and immediately buying tops and immediately buying Panini, they came in and they bought the licenses. And instead of coming in and then even after they bought the licenses, even instead of buying the buying tops again, uh, they came in and uh, buying, well, so essentially buying those licenses, it hurt the value of Tops because Tops was going to go public and it probably would have cost more money for Fanatics to try and come in and buy Tops. Uh, so instead of doing that, they, like I said, they bought the licenses that devalues the val that devalues Tops, also kind of makes it so they're not going to go public, or, or yeah, makes it so they're not going to go public. So uh, the, the, the public sale of that probably would be more expensive than a private sale, which, you know, you know, then Fanatics comes in and they buy tops. Uh, so that was one of the other moves, and I think this the, the LeBron James move is probably another one now. Like I said, I don't know. If I had to guess, there probably will be some sort of I guess there would be some sort of announcement. I mean, I think putting LeBron on a card, maybe gauging some of the maybe they're trying to gauge some of the interest in LeBron. Like this also realistically could just be that uh, upper deck for whatever reason, they had some sort of exclusive with LeBron and the exclusive maybe expired and LeBron just didn't re-sign the contract. That's why they was taken off. Now, I don't think that necessarily means he'll sign an exclusive with Fanatics. If I had to guess, there's probably a decent chance that he does but at the same time like if you're LeBron James like I, I think this is what you know when I was thinking about the Bronny James news when that first came out like for LeBron I think you really have to look at like an exclusive contract there and say like why would I sign some sort of exclusive contract uh with Fanatics or with whatever and I mean unless honestly I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the deal had some sort of equity in it that's probably how I could see LeBron signing some sort of exclusive with Fanatics because for LeBron like why would he look why would he sign an exclusive for his card for autographs on his cards when like he could come in and probably produce some sort of autographed product. Uh, and, and his exclusive with Upper Deck is also the reason why you don't see any Panini LeBron autographs. Um, also, the same reason why, not really the same reason, but like Jordan, for example, isn't part of the Players Association. Uh, so that's why he's not like in any Panini products either. I could see LeBron doing something similar once he retires. I think that there was something, I don't think that's exactly what it was, but I remember seeing, I think it was Mojo Breaks, they were talking about LeBron either not being in the Players Association or there was some sort of thing that essentially once LeBron retires, we wouldn't see any more Panini basketball LeBron cards, which, I mean, obviously now we're not going to probably see any more after. By the time he retires, Fanatics will have taken over everything. So obviously after he retires, we're not, probably not going to see that. Um now, I'm not going to really talk about any of the updates when it comes to the 
uh, when it comes to the Panini uh, fanatics thing, because I think, like, I, I just think that there's too much in the air right now because Panini did come out with a statement, but like I said, I think that there needs to be more uh, concrete, solid stuff to really talk about to include in an episode like this. Maybe like Thursday or like maybe Friday, depending on how what other news comes out this week. There may be another episode where I talk about that. Uh, but yeah, for this episode, I pretty much just want to talk about uh, some of the LeBron stuff. You know, LeBron now he has a card with tops. This is isn't his first baseball card though let me i know that was one thing that a lot of people were saying that it was his first baseball card he was included in i believe it was an upper deck set uh wearing a cleveland indians uniform back around his rookie year i believe it was 2004 he was included in a baseball set uh dirt like kind of around his rookie year so you know granted if you're if you're I don't know how interesting people are or interested people are looking at those specific cards but i mean it's also um like I think with LeBron, there's going to be different opportunities to buy different specific cards for him throughout his career that I think long-term are going to be good buys. Like, for example, I bought um, I bought some Fleer LeBron cards that were like his first USA cards. Like, I think those will be interesting. I think maybe this upper deck baseball card for him might be interesting. Maybe some of his first Laker cards might be interesting. Um, and like I said, it's it's... There are tons of opportunities if you're willing to just spend some time looking at them. And LeBron is one of those athletes, same with kind of Mike Trout. He's just in every single set when it comes to like inserts. So like you're going to find tons of LeBron cards if you're looking for them. Uh, but down the road, looking at some of the specific stuff that I think makes the cards unique versus just like a regular base card for him. I think those are the cards that, uh, you know, they could have value in the future. I think that there'll be cool cards to own in the future. Maybe the value isn't necessarily, um, it's not going to skyrocket it whatsoever but it'll still be like you know i think you, you'll have a better shot at selling it in the future than like if you're just buying some like random base card for lebron um and granted i i guess i don't even really know because at the, at some point i guess lebron's not going to really have that many cards i mean unless you know maybe something happens with fanatics but either way i think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with lebron's cards in the future and you know, we'll see what happens with this print run. I'm not 100% sure if it's fully out yet. I think it's after two days, which the card came out the other day. I just, you know, I was talking about the Panini Fanatics news. That kind of uh, took a little bit of a precedent over this topic, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, but like I said, that's all we've got for today's episode. I want to thank you all for listening. Make sure to go check us out on socials at Hobby News Daily on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to check back to HobbyNewsDaily.com because if you may, you may or may not know, I am also one of the web editors for the website so i'm making updates on the website every single day and our writers are writing articles on the website every single day as well what's up everybody welcome back to the show my name is adam i am your host this is the hobby news daily morning minute and today is thursday august 24th and we have a new score not a new i guess they so asia wilson asia excuse me asia wilson in the wnba tied the scoring record uh, the other night, and Panini kind of comes out with their thing. They said, look out for uh, WNBA Prism coming soon. Now, I know what some people may say when you talk about women's sports cards. They may say, oh, no one wants those, but it's like, it's, it is actually, I, in my opinion, the, the category 
of you know women's sports cards, whether it's um, whether it's Parkside with their with their uh, basically the MLS, but for the women's league for MLS, and now you have Tops coming out with their own exclusive women's uh, UEFA Champions League sets, and then you got the WNBA Prism, which I actually think if you go back twenty. I believe it was either 2019 or 2020 WNBA Prism. I think is actually a pretty decent buy because you have Sabrina Ionescu or Ionescu. I I always mispronounce her last name, but she's like you no, know, she's like a superstar in the making. I mean, she was like one of the the superstars of superstars when she played in college and. In this up and then and, the, and the, you know I think the reason why this is important is because we are going to see potentially one of the best women's college basketball seasons of all time coming up uh, because we have three of probably the top three stars with or three of the top three stars and then one within the top probably I don't know top ten I mean you could argue top five. Um, are going to be coming back. So, and then you you have the player from LSU who or you have the player from Louisville who uh, Van Leith who are who transferred to LSU and is now going to be playing with Angel Reese, who you probably saw at the national if you were uh, around the the women and the women in the hobby booth uh, from you know Angel Reese winning the national championship last year over. Um, over Iowa and Caitlin Clark, who Caitlin Clark is coming back. And then you have UConn, who is bringing back probably one of the biggest stars in all of women's sports right now. Unfortunately, she tore her ACL in like, what was the, I think it was the first practice of last year. So unfortunately, oh, so Paige Buchers, uh, is these three to four players, which I think four, I'm thinking that next, this upcoming season is going to be monster. So if you are looking to get into these WNBA cards, or you're looking to get into women's sports cards, I think there are, I mean, there's tons of different ones. And you're also supporting, I think, a, you know, a genre of cards that is maybe a little bit, um... Uh, underspoken for. I don't know if that's exactly the word, but you know, you have the women in the hobby. You've got, you know, we've got tons of, we've got multiple writers who are women that wrote great stuff about the hobby. And I think it was Kayla Klex who actually wrote an article on Hobby News Daily a couple months before the national and was kind of advocating for more female signers to come to the national. And I think that article, I don't, know if they got the the, like the official signers to I think they got a couple more women to come to the official signing but then there was tons of women that women's players that came to the actual women in the hobbies booth which I mean that was that, that was phenomenal I mean to get Angel Reese like I said she's probably one of the biggest stars within college basketball right now men or women because like if you were to ask me right now who are the top players in men's college basketball I don't think I'd be able to tell you. Um, and I mean, it honestly might just be because I've followed like players like Caitlin Clark and Paige Buchers and then Angel Reese this year. I followed them more closely than I did maybe men's college basketball. Uh, so that's probably the reason. I'm sure if you're, you know, if you're listening to this, there's a chance that you may be able to probably name a couple players that are big. But like I said, this is going to be uh, a, a monstrous year for women's college basketball. And then within the WNBA as well. And, and I think I look at the WNBA very similar to the MLS where they kind of were both started around the same time 
And I think that they are finally starting to gain a little bit of footing when it comes to the popularities of the sport uh, because they're starting to get players. And I mean, within, and I would say actually the, the stars are very similar as well. Like there are superstars within the MLS. You know, you got the Taylor 12-mans, you had uh, tons of players that played for the U.S. And then you had the superstars within the WNBA, like the Lisa Leslie's, the Sue Birds. And Sue Bird recently um, is, you know, I think she's either retired or is going to be retiring. I'm pretty sure. I, for, I forget which one it is. But like I said, either way, there, there are superstars that are that paved the way for some of these players uh, to come into the league. And, you know, now it, now it's becoming, a, and I'm using mature in the sense of, like, the league is, you know, becoming more mainstream, I think. Uh, because, like I said, this is this is something I've talked about with soccer, uh, is, like, when the MLS first started, and this is one reason why I think the actually U.S. team was actually not very good for, or they were average to bad for quite some time, is you had the... the um, or even, and then the MLS, I kind of goes in the same picture here, but you had players who were 13, 14, who were good enough to go pro, but they couldn't, there wasn't, either there wasn't a league, or the MLS was still only in its, like, ninth or 10th season, very early on. So, like, players, like, you know, Christian Pulisic, for example, he went to Germany when he was, like, 13 years old to play in the Bundesliga, and now he's one of the biggest stars in all of soccer, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I'm, I'm obviously an American, I'm a U.S. fan, but, like, he's one of the, I think he's the first American to score in three of the, three of England, or no, excuse me, three of Europe's big three leagues, which was Serie A, uh, the Bundesliga, and then, obviously, the Premier League. And I think the I think WNBA is very similar, where there wasn't a path for, and, and it's and it's totally different within within the WNBA. There just wasn't even a path for anything. Like at least in soccer, they could go overseas or they could play somewhere in a smaller league. Within the WNBA, there was nothing. There was no there was no path. So you're seeing nowadays, I think these 13, 14, 15 year olds who like maybe they could take basketball more seriously because they actually have a future in it. And I think that's what's going to impact women's cards because we're going to start seeing more marketable and better players within the leagues and we're going to not see like one or two players we're going to see like each team is going to have like one or two players you know obviously this year you got uh, the super team in, in in New York like they're you know Sabrina Ionescu and then uh, so, um, and then they also brought over the player uh, from Seattle from last year so like I said I just think if you are looking for, and I, and I think this is one of my, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'd call it a specialty, but one of the things I do like talking about, to be honest, is like newer niches within cards that are interesting, that I find interesting. That you know, if you're looking for something new, if maybe sports cards are a little stale for you, uh, you know, you could definitely give you know women's cards, whether it's like I said, the WNBA or if it's the Tops UEFA Champions League women's women's cards. Like I think there's tons of different options for you to really get into if you're looking for something new. And that's all I've got for today's episode. So I want to thank you all for listening. Make sure you go check us out at Hobby News Daily on Twitter and Instagram. Also make sure to check back to HobbyNewsDaily.com because like I've said, I've been doing a lot of updates to the website, uh, making it look good for everybody and also our wonderful staff of writers. I don't want to, I want to also make sure I mention them even though I mention them in every single episode but I want to mention them as well. They're writing new articles every single day.